This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It is now 12pm and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Hey everyone, you're listening to Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina and you're listening to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by, for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin. So today we have Rakesh Banerjee and Wei Hong Lo, two representatives from the Otago International Students Association, here with us today to talk about their role in OISA, international student life, what it means to be a PhD student these days, and just a chat about their cultural identity, especially now that university is starting soon, so I guess It'll be a perfect time to highlight um, students' experiences in this show today. Kia ora, Rakesh and Wei Hong. Hello. Hello, kia ora. Hi. Um, so firstly, how are you guys today? Yeah, I'm pretty good today. Uh, how about you? Yeah, it's pretty good weather. I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty much vibing with the weather. I'm happy that it's sunny. It was so dull last few days. Yeah. When Rakesh came in, um, because this is a Zoom interview, I saw him with his floral shirt. It's so vibrant and I, <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Like It was like the first thing I saw today. So it was really nice. A good choice, Rakesh. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so firstly, would you guys introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll go first. Yep, so Kiara, my name is Wei Hong, and basically I'm doing a PhD in computer science in University of Otago. Uh, I come from Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur in particular, and yeah, I'm a Malaysian Chinese. Uh, is there anything else I need to say? <laughs> oh, you should talk about your... My project? Yeah. Yeah, all right. So I'm doing a PhD in computer science uh specifically in using augmented reality technology for sports spectating in the stadium. So basically what it is, is when you go to the stadium to see a rugby game, for example, sometimes you don't understand what's going on in the field, especially if you are new to the game or if you are on site in the stadium. You don't have commentary, you don't have fancy visualization. So what I do is to just uh, make Visualization appear in your phone when you are looking at it uh, through your mobile phone. And then you can see like visualization coming out where it's appropriate. So it's called the in-situ visualization. Wow. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you will get the hang of it, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, but yeah, that's exciting. Um, I wish you all the best with your project. Um, but Wei Hong, I also know you have a side job. Well, I wouldn't consider it much of a side job, but I do photography during graduations. Uh, that's like uh, just a personal hobby of mine. And yeah, and actually that hobby kind of leads to me creating the Otago Photography Club this year. So that's something I created and starting up. So yeah, it's quite interesting, actually. <laughs> hmm. Thank you. That feels like a really complete <laughs> introduction of you. Uh, Rakesh, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Kia ora, I'm Rakesh, and I'm in my third year of PhD in the Chatterjee Laboratory at the Department of Pathology. Uh, before I go into talking about where I'm from, I'll just give a brief about what my project is. So I work with uh, melanoma cell lines, and I'm trying to do CRISPR gene editing on the melanoma cell lines, trying to achieve a dogma. Uh, by which if it works out, then probably the diagnosis of melanoma would be done at an earlier stage because we know how New Zealand is has a high rate of melanoma. So that's what my project is. And I hail from the city of Choi, Kolkata, which is in the state West Bengal, India. So I am Bengali by culture, but then I was also born and raised in another state called as Maharashtra, Mumbai, so I have both. Ah, well, thank you for that introduction. Okay. That's exciting. Um, so all of you, wait, both of you, there's only two of you, <laughs> two of you talked about uh, your culture, but I do want to go more into details. Uh, maybe we'll start with Rakesh. Um, 
So can you tell us more about the Bengali culture? Yeah, so um, the Bengali culture, as um, mostly known to people outside the world, is that we love fish. Mm. Like Bengalis are always associated with fish and uh, we enjoy sweets. So there is a famous sweet delicacy called as Rashogolla. So that's like a very famous sweet dish that is associated with Bengalis. And even in terms of culture, we are very rich in heritage and literature. And every Bengali that I know of, at least, uh, is good in art. Like either it has to do with music, dance, painting, reading. Exception me, I'm not good in music. <laughs> but not true. Enjoy. We haven't seen you dance yet. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy dancing. So that's pretty much it. And I also, like, Calcutta was the first capital of India. So there is a lot of um, British architecture. Mm around in Calcutta, like there is the Victoria's memorable, uh, Memorial and also the famous Howrah Bridge that connects the rural to the modern city. Yeah, so the Bengali culture is quite rich. I'm yeah. pretty happy. And we love food. Like we love food. That's the best part. <laughs> I love when talking to people, um, talking about the culture and they always mention food. And yes. um, <laughs> like, um, do you have a recommendation for a place in Dunedin that we can find Bengali food? Oh, they, you can't find, unfortunately, oh. Bengali food in anywhere in Dunedin. But yes, there is a place, like my flat, where I can host you and give you a try <laughs> of the Bengali food. Because I love cooking. Oh, that's, that's really good. I'm sure your flatmates love you too. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's so great. Oh, thank you, Rakesh. Welcome. Uh, Wei Hong? Let's start with you. Yeah, so uh, actually the main point I wanted to mention was food as well <laughs> because I'm Malaysian Chinese and just in general Malaysian, they are just so united over food. So I'm sure you know, Arena. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so mostly, uh, yeah, I would say mostly it's the multi, the diverse uh, setting in Malaysia. So that's what I identify my culture with because although I'm a Malaysian Chinese, I actually, I haven't been to China, so I don't really know how is it over there? But based on what I understand in Malaysia, it's uh, there's a lot of tradition that comes from abroad, but then there's also some local uh, culture that I think it's only in Malaysia, like in Chinese New Year, so the Lunar New Year, you have like the Yi Sang, as they call it, where you toss something, it's like a prosperity toss. Uh, and apparently that is um, only in Malaysia. So it was uh, it originated in Malaysia and you can't find it anywhere else. So that's something special. And other than that, I think, hmm, what else do I, <laughs> what other culture thing do I have to say? I don't know. It's, it's always so food oriented, right? Uh, we do have a lot of uh, maybe like, uh, yeah, I would say this is mostly food actually. And yeah. just the Malaysian hustle and bustle, the, the language, the slang and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And not to mention the celebrations because uh, Malaysia is very diverse. Like we have Indians as well in Malaysia. So we do get to celebrate Diwali, Taipusam. Um, and then with um, the Chinese, we can celebrate Chinese New Year. And, um, and we have like other minority races as well. So it's a hot part of cultures. It's- yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's also very... Uh, like when you ask me about cultural background, uh, the first thing I think of is as a Malaysian rather than like what ethnicity I am, because yeah. uh, I think we just share so many things in common. It's so diverse, like the amount of holidays we have, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just uh, something very different from other countries you can get here. Yeah. Um, and whereabouts is your hometown, Wei Hong? Uh, yeah, so I'm from Kuala Lumpur, so the capital of Malaysia. I've mm-hmm. uh, been there all this while, so I don't really have like a uh, town to go back to like a village or as a kampung as they said uh, ah. yeah so I'm a city boy born and raised there yeah interesting that's um very different to mine because um I'm from Kedah which is like mm. the northern side and it's um it's very nice you know it's not it's not busy it's not like kampung kampung is village it's not like that it's just nice <laughs> yeah and I miss it very much yeah um, same here yeah when when was the last time you went home uh, I went home right before the COVID lockdown happened. So fortunate me for that. Uh, so I think it was uh, 2020 January. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Then mm. I came back in February. So right in time for the lockdown, actually. Wow. That, that's very good timing. Uh, and how about you, Rakesh? When was the last time you went home? Oh, I didn't get to go home. I came to New Zealand in 2019, October. And ah. since then, I've not been home. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for you. Uh, yeah. Especially <laughs> if it's like your first time in New Zealand and you yeah, haven't been yeah. back at all. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's tough, man. <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think we'll talk a lot about um, just reflecting about reflect, uh, being in New Zealand, um, the cultural changes that we felt, you know, there'll be a lot of like time traveling. So I hope you guys are ready for that. Um, but before we do that, I think uh, we should go on a song break. I was wondering if Rakesh, maybe you would like to recommend a song so that we can play in the show? Yes. So since I'm from India and India is known a lot for their Bollywood culture. So I would recommend the song Tune Mari Entria, which is from a movie called Gunde. Um, the reason I want to recommend that song is because like, even though the song is in Hindi, that's the language of India, like the primary language that's spoken in India. Um, but it also has some Bengali words to it. And the video, if the view, uh, the listeners have a time, you should go and check out the video because the video is shot in Calcutta, where I'm from. So the different parts of Calcutta. So it shows the different culture and the dress and the food and the dance, uh, the Bengali culture side of it. And it's shot in Calcutta. That's where I'm from. So Tune Mari Intria. All right. That is amazing, especially if it has a significance to you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so we'll be right back after the song break.
we're back on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina and you're listening to Connecting Cultures Features. And I'm here with Rakesh and Wei Hong. Hi again. <laughs> Hello again. <laughs> yeah. Um, firstly, thank you for the song, Rakesh. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so now, moving on with the show... Um, all of us, well, I, I was, but you guys are still international students. So I think that's something in common that we should talk about today. Um, so it's currently all week for the University of Otago, which is why I'm dedicating this week to talk about students. Because students, we are, we, we well, I used to be, I, I still call myself a student sometimes because it it's just been a year. <laughs> um, but I do have a special place in my heart for OISA, the Otago International Students Association, uh, being the uh, prior um, international committee president who established OISA. So it has a very special place in my heart. Um, and we'll be talking about OISA later during this show. Firstly, uh, let's talk about your settling in New Zealand stories. Um, cultural changes and stuff like that. Um, maybe Wei Hong, you can start? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I would say the first impression I have of Dunedin, because I flew in from Malaysia to Auckland and I didn't go out of Auckland Airport. I just transited straight to Dunedin. So I was fortunate enough to have my supervisor pick me up, as she offered. And yeah, the first impression I have of Dunedin is, where are the buildings? Because I didn't see any building like, any tall buildings at least, nothing more than three stories while I was coming from the airport for that first half hour. Hmm. And I was like, oh no, what have I signed myself up for? <laughs> it's a farm. <laughs> it really, it's just, yeah, farms here and there. But yeah, when it got to the city, it's slightly better. Uh, at least I started to see some more form of uh, buildings, uh, shops and stuff like that. But, but yeah, the first impression I got was just how quiet it was in comparison to where I'm from in Kuala Lumpur. It's always busy, no matter night or the day it's just non-stop traffic and people walking around having food and everything like that so i think that was my first impression of the place but i pretty quickly enjoyed the silence as well although it is a bit inconvenient at times when you want to get food at night but uh yeah i do like the the very laid back lifestyle as well and it's so the air is so fresher which is something you didn't realize until you come to a place where like oh the air is such such a nice it's such a nice place to actually just breathe. <laughs> yeah. And it must be a big change from um, like a city life, you know, that, that that's very uh, interesting. Yeah. It's, yeah, it definitely is very uh, a big difference. And it's also in terms of, uh, yeah, how the pace of life here works. So like, I mean, in Malaysia, I'm pretty sure most people will be working until like late and then they will have overtime and stuff like that. Which uh something, which is something not really good. Uh, here it's more uh, relaxed in a way that you end work on time, and then I think there's a better work-life balance. So that's also a big difference, and I think it's way better for the mental health and just to have time for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I realized that too. Like coming here when you know shops close exactly at like five, or um people clock out exactly at five. Yes, exactly. That's something very uncommon in like. Malaysia or like even Asia it's like people expect you to do overtime and people don't want um like people judge you if you go home early or something like that sure. yeah so um that's something about New Zealand that is um that's I look up to you know <laughs> yeah. um yeah um yeah maybe we we go on with Rakesh and how was your first impressions Sure. So my first impression, it's quite funny um, because when I came to New Zealand, I came by Christchurch. So I had those small propeller planes, I think it's called, from Christchurch to Dunedin. And when I was landing in Dunedin, like for a fraction of a second, I thought I'm crashing into a farm. <laughs> and I'm like, this does not look like an airport. <laughs> like, where am I landing? Uh, but when I landed, it was like kind of cute, like a small farm. Like, honestly, for me, I always wanted to be like 
on a countryside because I have lived so much in a city. So I wanted that part of it. And uh, like Wei Hong, uh, my supervisor also came to pick me up. So it was good. Uh, when I entered the city, uh, I think I landed around in the afternoon and um, I was staying with one of my lab mates for just that night. And it was around like 9.30, 10 p.m. And my first question to him was like, when is the sun going to set? <laughs> because oh, it was summer. summer. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that was the big change that I had to face, especially with the jet lag. And I'm like, wow, this is like so strange. Like, why is the sun not setting? Oh, <laughs> I wow. can't sleep with the daylight. That's uh, that was like an interest. Yeah, it was like a very interesting and a good change, actually. And then um, eventually I started getting to know people. I feel like once you start to get to know people, you start adapting to it. Like you need, you meet people from your culture and then it's a different vibe altogether when you meet people from your own culture, but not in your country, but in a different country altogether. And then the way you talk about home and then the food. So it's quite good. So I think personally for me, it didn't take me didn't take me that long to adapt to the change, I feel. It was maybe a month. Uh, wow. Yeah. You guys have a lot in common. Um, city boys. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> what else? PhD students. <laughs> so this is a the perfect like um partner that i have chosen for this podcast i'm really happy about Yo, that Wei yeah, yeah. <laughs> um well thank you for that um Wei hong you also joined omsa while you were here yep. can you tell us about that so i joined omsa in 2020 yeah if i'm not mistaken so mm. it's kind of the wrong year to join it because uh yes there's so much so many challenges that we have to face with covid but yeah, how I got introduced to OMSA, actually, uh, I think the president reached out to me personally. Uh, and at that time, I didn't really know much about OMSA. But I think they were looking for a photographer. And I think a mutual friend just introduced me to uh, to her. Huh. So I got approached and then they're like, oh, would you like to join OMSA and just be a photographer and stuff like that? Uh, Little did I know how much commitment there was. <laughs> but it was really a fun. Mm-hmm. It was really a fun time. Like I've learned a lot. I get to bond with a lot of uh, people mm-hmm. from my own culture, and especially for PhD students because we are usually alone. Which is my case. I came alone. I didn't know anyone here when I arrived, except my supervisor, which I only talked through on Skype. So, yeah, there is not there is not much of a support system that you have. So by joining OMSA, I knew more undergrad students who were also from Malaysia and. I think it did help me with, like, how to say, like, uh, feeling home in in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Though, yeah. So it's like uh, you got the same topic to talk about. You you like the same food. Yeah. So uh, I think it is a pleasant experience, and it gives me it gave me a lot of uh, opportunity to also practice my photography skills and uh, mass media in general. So yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy about it. I. Although at that time it was like pretty stressful, but uh, I I don't think I have any regrets joining Omsa at that time. <laughs> mm, that's really good. I think they found you when you needed them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't imagine coming here not knowing anything because um, I came to New Zealand when I was ten years old, but I went back to Malaysia and came back. So coming back to New Zealand feels like I'm coming home. You know, so it's different to all you all of you guys who. Um, came to New Zealand like for study or like a new place so yeah I can't imagine how that would feel especially yeah, if you don't know it anyone was, it was like my first time abroad as well so I mean oh. like living abroad yeah so it's quite a big change for me yeah um how about you Rakesh do you found that like did you find any support system when you came here the first time Oh, I can actually relate to Wei Hong because it's um, a very important thing uh, to mention that even when I came in here, like the only people I knew were like my lab mates and my supervisor and no one else because we don't have like an orientation per se and stuff like that, like O-week, we don't have all that. We just come in, join the labs, start work, (laughs) meet people. So it's more like that. So, uh, but it also depends, I think, from person to person. Like for me, I am very social. So I want to interact with people. I want to make sure that people who come in, uh, 
also get to know people because as we, uh, Wei Hong mentioned, like it gets really difficult, like especially if you're coming. I, so I came in like last week of October and after one month, everyone was gone. Like there was no one around. And I had just come to New Zealand, so I could not go back home just for one month. Even though I did a solo trip to Queenstown, <laughs> uh, that was fun. But then I realized, like, it's important to have people around. Um, but then I didn't know per se of any like clubs. I knew like there are different clubs and cultural clubs and stuff like that, like associations. But I didn't know how to approach it. Like I didn't know how should I go because I knew that it was mostly for like. It's not like exclusive to inclusive to undergrads, but then it feels like that because not many PhDs and postgrads are associated with it, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was really interested in dance, so I signed up for um, the ISA cultural event, um, and I think me and myself and my other lab mate, uh, we both were the only PhDs in the whole culture crew. Uh, but then I got to know people. Like I met few of the undergrads and few of the master students and postgrads, and it was really good uh, for the Indian Student Association in 2020. And then I decided that probably I should also be in the committee. So also I also signed up to be the general executive for the ISA committee in last year, 2020, 2021. Yeah, um, but then I the only reason I wanted to be in the cultural club. Uh, because I wanted to represent more of like the post-grad community because I feel like you need to kind of approach them and you need to make them feel like it's fine to be a part of some association where undergrads is majority, like if you understand what I mean. So yeah, it was yeah mixed feelings when I came, but I'm really happy now. So that's what matters. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah um, totally understand that feeling of, like, awkwardness mm. to start approaching yeah, a club. Yeah, awkwardness, yeah. yes. Yeah, and I think, just to add a little bit on that, uh, I think it's because most of the postgrads are also a bit older in the age. So yes, that's why you yes. might feel like, oh, will there be a gap if I join something that is majority undergrad? Because will I understand what they are talking about, you know? The trends mm. changes so quickly. They might be talking about some latest tiktok trends that i've never heard of <laughs> yeah <laughs> for example yeah, yeah so, the wavelengths yeah. do not match <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah I, I, I yeah i would say most postgrads will be a bit hesitant to join clubs in the beginning especially if it's majority undergrad that's why i also am trying to just let them know that it's not exclusive to undergrads and you will not feel mm. really out of place actually because if especially if it's a cultural club you will I mean, it is the same culture, so in the end, you will have always a common topic, yeah, together. Yeah, you're you're there for the same reason as others, actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! Thank you, Rakesh and Wei Hong. I think that's like um, a really good viewpoint from two un- two postgraduate students about settling in New Zealand. Um, it's not something that I've heard much before because I haven't really talked to postgraduate students because I didn't do postgrad. Um, so mm. yeah, I think that's a very good viewpoint to share. Um, and I'm really glad that our listeners got to hear that from you guys. Um, and I'm sure with everything that has happened, the experiences that you've had, um, it somehow led you to OISA, the Otago International Students Association. Um, so maybe we can talk about how you got into um, involved with OISA? Do you want me to start first? Yeah, All right. sure. Uh, so I'm the postgrad officer in OISA. So yeah, it's kind of self-explanatory. Uh, I will mostly take care of postgrad matters if people have problems or if they have uh, any questions with what to do. And basically this role is new. <laughs> so it's just created this year. And I took up that position because, uh, yeah, I, I think it's based on what I said earlier, like the postgrads are a bit hesitant to join clubs and societies. So it's more like to put out a face that, yeah, th- there is postgrad involvement as well. And we, I, I also want to just let them know each other because it's not just about postgrads not knowing undergrads, but postgrads among themselves don't know each other as well because they are from different departments. Mm. They don't have classmates. They Their project are always either just solo or just with their lab mates. So there's not many interaction 
opportunities. That's why uh, what my goal is in OSA is to also just to get to know more postgrads and then in the end, try to bring them together to network with each other. Yeah. Oh, it must be very isolating, uh, especially when you mentioned that postgrads don't know each other. That's so yeah. true, man. Like, uh, yeah. there's no chance for them to actually connect with other postgrads. Yeah, exactly. Because, uh, yeah, because the, the, there's no common classes, and then if you are from a different department, the chances of you meeting another postgrad from a different department, if everybody stays in their lab, is very rare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So mostly we could just interact through events in the university uh, but then again most events in the university are catered towards uh, undergrads uh, so mostly I would say other than clubs and societies the only place where you can meet other postgrads is through events held by the HEDC the Higher Education Development Center or the Graduate Research School so those are the two places where you know they have workshop for postgraduate students and you might potentially know other postgrad students but other than that I would say it really is up to you whether you take the initiative to step out and introduce yourself to others. Because uh, I, I do know like some of the postgrads that they don't really have, like they do know a couple in their own department, but like they don't really know anyone else in in the university. And there's so many PhD students around actually. Mm-hmm. It's just that, uh, yeah, we just don't know each other and there's no like a list or anything to find others. Yeah. Yeah. Um. While we're in the topic of being postgraduate student, uh, Rakesh, we will pause of talking about uh, your role for a bit. I think it's it's a good time to talk about like the challenges yeah. of being postgraduate students. Um, yeah. So maybe Rakesh, you can talk about some other challenges besides like feeling very isolated from people um, when it ta- when it comes to being a postgraduate student. Mm-hmm. I think most of the um, challenges uh, Wei Hong covered, I think the primary thing um, about being a postgraduate student is sometimes we feel left out, if I would put it that way, from the uni, especially um, um, with the terms of uh, events and everything. Like, I feel like there should have been like more events or something which is catered towards postgrads because the most events that are catered towards postgrads has to do something or the other with their field uh in that yeah, of course you're like talking about like if i'm doing phd in science and i'm talking about science in those events it's very academic some, right yeah like very academic events i would say uh, but then again um it's mostly we know people from our own department kind of unless you go way and beyond of being social and you know different people but then not all phd students or not all postgrad students are like that so i think it is important like yeah the graduate research school events and stuff um, there are some phd students who come up to those uh, and then try to get to know each other um, but then it would be really i think that is the major challenge and um, the other challenge that I feel, which could be related to why I am um, the welfare and the equity officer at OISA, is because I think postgrad students need someone to talk to. I think that's very important considering uh, the constant pressure and the anxiety and the stress that we go through in the process of PhD. I think it's important to talk to people who are also going through the same process, not just from the department, but from the different departments so that you can relate to it. Uh, so come, if I have to come back with all these challenges into the role of what I am doing, so the main sole reason of me doing the OISA role as a welfare and equity officer um, is to ensure that most of the postgrad students, I'm not saying that it's only meant for postgrads. Uh, it's also, I'm more than happy to talk to undergrads as well. I want to make sure that every student who comes here, uh, whether international or domestic, feel comfortable. I think that's the right word, like feel comfortable and feel safe. I don't want any of the international students um, to feel unsafe here at any point. And if they do so, I would encourage them to come and talk to me or anyone else or anyone they feel comfortable talking to 
because I don't I don't like the fa- feeling of being left out or being alone. I know it's very difficult, especially with all the COVID times, and I have been going through my own stuff as well. So I know it's very normal, uh, but then it's very important to talk to someone. Yeah. Hmm. That's a very good response, uh, Rakesh. Um, and you did talk about well-being being the uh, well-being officer, was it? Uh, yes. Role? Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, we'll talk a lot about well-being afterwards. Yeah. I think um, that's like a whole topic that we can talk about. Yes. Especially, <laughs> it's not just like a student thing. It's like a oh, the whole white world trying to break yeah. us thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um, maybe we'll go on a song break, um, and we'll come back and talk about well-being. I think that's a whole conversation I'm really looking forward to have. Um, before that, Wei Hong, do you have yep. a song request for us today? Yeah, so the song that I'm requesting is Strangers in the Knob. So it's actually a Chinese song uh, made by a Chinese, a Malaysian Chinese uh, featuring, so it's Name V featuring Wang Li Hong. Okay, so that song is about actually... Uh, so it's strangers in the north is because uh, it's it's talking about the story of like how migrant workers they go overseas, and then sometimes when they go there it doesn't. I mean the grass is always green on the other side, so you feel like oh it's actually not all that beautiful sometimes. So it's a song about how they are missing home and stuff like that, which is I could quite relate to, although it is a bit different because I'm just here for study. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the it's the sentiment of being away from home and then away from somewhere you're comfortable with yeah yeah wow like that. that is the perfect song for the show yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what i thought as well oh <laughs> uh, uh thank you Hong, and we'll be right back after the song break
Back on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina, and you're listening to Connecting Cultures Features uh, on Otago Access Radio, a show by, for, and about the multicultural people of Dunedin. Um, so today I am talking to Rakesh and Wei Hong. Hello, Hi. guys. Hello, hello. Yay. Um, and you guys are still here and we're talking about international students, postgraduate students, well-being, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, I think the last conversation we had was about well-being. And yes. I do want to talk about that because I feel like a lot of people need to listen as well. <laughs> Because it's not easy these days. Um, the need in cases are rising. Um, people are feeling scared. There's like traffic uh, at the um, self, like the testing centers, uh, and that's very overwhelming yeah. for some people. How are you guys? <laughs> How are you guys really doing? It's <laughs> uh, a tough question. I would say it's I'm doing all right, but then I'm I have many other commitments in terms of like clubs and societies and also some external stuff academic stuff so i'm pretty stressed out at the moment and then uh there's also a problem only international students will face which is visa issues mm. yeah so i do have an expiring passport and the renewal is taking forever and then i need to apply for my visa so there's a lot of things jumble up into one whole big ball of mess <laughs> yeah but yeah i think it's it's all right in the, in the end, but yeah, it's just a lot of things that I just need to constantly shuffle around. So that's my state of mind. It's always shuffling around as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned about the visa stuff because that's very oh, yeah. specific to like migrants yes. and international and, students. Yeah. And it's more amplified it, with COVID because a lot of the procedures, we can't do it at our home country because we're stuck here. Mm. And that's why there is like, a lot of administrative stuff that just takes forever to get done. Yeah. And there's a lot of delays as well with people yes. working from home and everything. Um, <laughs> wow, I feel you. Because I renewed my passport last year and it was a hassle mm -hmm. as well because I need to apply for my work visa before I start working. Yes. Um, I yeah. feel you. <laughs> it takes forever. <laughs> I hope you're okay. Take breaks. Yeah. You know, just remember that there are things that's out of your control. Mm -hmm. I think that's something I needed to hear last year, that I can't yeah. control everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, thank you for sharing that, Wei Hong. You're welcome. Mm. Rakesh, how are you doing? It's a very interesting question. <laughs> uh, uh, I think I'm doing pretty all right. Like To be very honest, I wouldn't say just for the sake of saying that I'm doing amazing and I love it. No, like I think I'm in that phase of life right now, especially with my final year, hopefully final year of PhD. So there's a lot of stress, <laughs> like because you have to finish it off. And if you're an international student and under scholarship, your scholarship is only for a specific time. So when the scholarship runs out, you have to figure out how you're going to manage. And if you're going to get an extension, and all those other financial stress. So that's one of it. Secondly, of the fact like, oh, even the borders are opening, would it be worth going home now? I'm in my final year, should I risk it? So of course I'm not going home because in my head I'm like, I waited for three years already, <laughs> didn't go home. So might as well I finish my PhD and go home. 
so um yeah there is like a lot of stress but then at the same time i'm happy uh because um i'm also committed to different stuffs like my lab stuff and then i'm also the international ambassador for the uni oh. so i'm busy with that stuff like kind of some days um yeah so it's i think i'm pretty all right and i'm also talking to people just to make sure that i'm doing all right and i'm in a good mind space because i think um the very important thing about being in a good well-being uh, environment is like to accept the fact that you're not doing okay it's okay not to be okay mm. i think that's very um important for people to understand because i have seen many people including myself uh when i go through um stressful times i try to say to myself that no i'm stressed i shouldn't be stressed i'm not doing good i shouldn't be doing good i should be fine like i force myself to do good and i force myself to uh try and accept that i'm fine but i think it should be the other way around when someone is not doing well i think if they try and accept it that they're not doing well then probably they can work even better in any situation of life i think the first key is acceptance accept that you're not doing okay so i accept that i'm not doing okay uh but at the same time i'm taking help i'm talking to people i'm talking to counselors to make sure that i'm doing good so i think it's important to accept and then talk about it to someone you know so again my role at well being and equity officer i would love talking to you all if you have anything to talk to me about does not necessarily have to be something sad or like oh i'm not doing good even if you are overwhelmed with something and happy come and talk we can have a quick chat it's good to talk mm, that's amazing i mean, i echo that statement yeah <laughs> yeah um and i get you when you say that the first step is acceptance because yes, if you're yes. in denial like you're not going to able to accept anything about like yeah. moving forward you're just going to be stuck in the yeah. moment yeah mm absolutely yeah well thank you for sharing that and uh before uh during the song break we talked about how we're all like working from home um and i've been working from home for a while as well and um it's like you know i kind of miss being around humans but i don't want to be around humans mm-hmm. you know that that makes mm-hmm. feeling like mm-hmm. like don't give me covid yeah. but like i miss you <laughs> um it's like that so how are you guys managing working from home like how are you um, connecting with people especially with my um phd work it has a lot to do with lab work like if i do not go to lab i cannot complete my phd so it's directly related so um i am like working from home sometimes but then at the same time i want to make sure that i plan my experiments in such a way that i can get to lab uh because it can be really difficult like the two lockdowns that happened in new zealand really extended a lot of my work uh because we didn't have access to labs and if we don't have access to labs it's very difficult for us to do experiments if we don't have experiments we don't have data and sometimes it can get tiring to just like keep reading papers and work on it keep reading papers and work on it at least for me i can't do so much of like desk job i need to work in the lab in order to get the motivation to do the desk job so working from home is quite difficult but then at the same time kind of getting used to it like a good balance like i go to lab when i have experiments and then i come back home and then i work on it on my thesis for example or on any research papers uh, i'm trying to do that from work from home but yes i miss the times when um, we used to go to office and labs and we had all our lab mates and when we used to work together and then come back to the office and then have a quick chat about all the failing experiments <laughs> Mm. and laugh about it and like try and figure out uh what is wrong and like you no know, like the fun times i miss like the human interaction as you mentioned yeah so, but it's just like the new world it feels like <laughs> a new world altogether yeah. <laughs> uh, something we have to accept um, yeah yeah uh, let's talk about how 
both of you take care of your well-being. You're just looking at the time now. So, um, Wei Hong, maybe you can tell us some tips. Um, uh, if you have tips, any tips. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess what Rocker says is very important to reach out and same, I would be happy to listen to anyone who wants to talk uh, because I think just by talking, you don't even need to get a advice or anything. You just push, I mean, you just express what you want to say and then afterwards you just feel so much better anyway. So I think that's one of the major thing because for me, actually for me working from home or not, it's not too big of a difference in terms of human interaction because my lab is pretty empty. <laughs> but uh, I do also understand the feeling that if I'm in a lab I still work better even though there's no one else because I think it's a separation kind of thing so I think for people working from home I think it's important to set some kind of a schedule or a routine or an environment that uh, tells your brain is it to work or is it to play because for example like for me when I'm working I'll just take my laptop out I'll put away my gaming keyboard and all these things yeah so just to make it an environment to say that okay this is work time so you don't feel that terrible of uh working while you're at your home where you're supposed to be relaxing and then you don't feel like you're supposed to be working when you're relaxing just to get a balance of it yeah so i think that's a tip that is pretty useful that's very good. I struggled a lot um, during the first lockdown because I had my workspace in my bedroom and it messed me up so bad. Yeah. But this time I put my workspace in my living room. So I know like, okay, I'm going to the bedroom, I'm sleeping, I'm resting, I'm being arena, but I come here, I'm working as um, like youth coordinator or community connector. Yeah, so it's very, it's a very good um, tip, Wei Hong. Yeah. yeah. Rakesh, do you have anything to add? Yes. Um, I think um, when someone is not going through a good time and then they want to make sure that they're in a good well-being, I think um, it's important that you try and plan your work in such a way that you take some time off for yourself. Like just yourself. <laughs> Don't think about anyone else. Don't uh, think about work. Just do what you like. Like, for example, what I do is like I enjoy cooking. So when I'm stressed, I just occupy the kitchen and I like start cutting all the vegetables or the meat and I put it in a separate section, make it look good. Like it, it all gives me happiness. Like the, I just enjoy the process of cooking, starting from getting the vegetables out from the refrigerator till washing my dishes. Like, it gives me immense pleasure. So what I'm trying to say here is like, um, even when you're trying to do something you like in order to reduce your stress and anxiety, do it with a lot of passion. Do it with a purposeful nature. Like do it like because you enjoy doing it. Don't do it just because like, oh, I want to do this because I know I'm having stress. Then you'll get more stress because you're not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, if people who are living in with their flatmates, they can talk to a flatmate. It's always good to like have a good talk with your flatmate. But I do that often. Like even uh, recently, I have not been going through a good time, and um, I'm very happy that I have some amazing flatmates. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spoke to them. Like I always go and talk to them. Um, we have games night. Like we play board games together we talk about life together and it's it's like kind of good so again what I'm like emphasizing on is like uh, to talk to people and I know that some people may not enjoy the process of talking to people and it's fine it's absolutely fine there's nothing wrong in that but then you can take a time take a break for yourself like go to the beach when it's sunny or there are other things like go for a walk around the botanical gardens go say hello to the birds mm -hmm. and then just just do what you enjoy to do and then you'll always have people to make sure you're doing all right uh the different cultural clubs um even oisa will always be there to make sure that you are doing all right and you will do all right. You will be fine. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that is amazing advice, Rakesh. Um, coming from the OISA well-being officer, guys, that's amazing. Yes. <laughs> it's something we all needed to hear. Um, thank you so much, guys, for being here today on Connecting Cultures thank Features. Uh, thanks yeah. for hosting. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure being here. Yeah, and thank you for talking to me. I This is human interaction, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 
hopefully I can bring you guys in again, you know, because you're, you're in OISA <laughs> roles for a year, so we'll still see each yeah. other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm -mm. Um, so thank you. We'll see you again next time. And now for the vaccination update. The big boost is on now. Boosters are the best way to fight Omicron and protect yourself and your whanau. It's crucial that all of us who can get boosted in February. If you're age 18 years or over and have had your second vaccination at least three months ago, get your booster as soon as possible. February is a critical month in our fight against Omicron, which is why this month, people are being asked to get their boosters as soon as they are due. Evidence showed that prior protection against infection after the primary vaccination course decreases over time, so getting a top-up vaccine after your first two doses would help boost your immunity against COVID-19. Boosters are also helpful to slow the spread of the virus. They lower the chances of getting very sick from COVID-19, and so more of us can stay well, and that helps free us the hospitals for people who need care. And now with Omicron in the community, getting a COVID-19 booster is the best thing you can do to protect yourself, your whanau, and your community. While two shots were great at protection against Delta, you need a booster for Omicron. So you can either book an appointment using Book My Vaccine website or walk in, or visit a walk-in clinic uh, for your booster shot today. And if you're 12 years or over, walk-in appointments are available at Meridian Mall. Um, so it's downstairs near the food courts at the back. Uh, Walk-ins are also available at some GPs and you can find more information about this at southernhealth.org inzid slash COVID-19 slash clinics. And for children of age 5 to 11 years old, bookings are required unless specifically noted so. Um, so you can book online at the website Book My Vaccine or call 0800 uh, and the helpline is available from 8am to 8pm, 7 days a week, every day. Translation services are also available in 40 languages and there's the option to use New Zealand Relay services. If you have COVID-19 symptoms, you need a PCR test. You can find COVID testing stations uh, seven days a week at the Te Kaika testing station uh, from 9am to 4pm um, Victoria Road, which is near the Dunedin Ice Stadium. Or you can also go to the Dunedin COVID Community Testing Center uh, from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, it's at 5 Malcolm Street. Um, both of them are drive through and there's also walk-in there, and there's no appointment needed. Just come there. Uh, and that is all for our vaccination update today. Um, I hope you have a really good day. Um, and just enjoy your weekend. And we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.